Welcome to church. Uh, my name is Brian Williams. If we have not met before, I am the Young Adults Pastor, which may be confusing if you've been uh, here for a short time, as Brian Howard is often up here speaking. But he and I um, really are a team, and Sarah and Jake, the three, the four of us, really are kind of a team running this show and um, doing what we can. And I get the opportunity to come tonight and get to bring God's word. What up, Alex? Good to see you, man. I like your hat. It's, it's a good color. Yeah. Um, well, tonight we are continuing our series um, called Prepare Him Room, which that's kind of our topic for tonight. Makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and we're looking at uh, Christmas stuff, right? That's what we do this time of year. Anybody, like, really love Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. I love Christmas, too. I'm glad. If I had asked that before Thanksgiving, cheer, like, if you, and you still would have cheered, like cheer again. Still pretty significant. Wow, okay, that's great. I feel like this year, most people, I know in our house, we decorated earlier than normal, and maybe that was the case for many of you. And I don't know why. It's like everybody, I think this is my idea, is that everybody just is like longing for that like joy and just the wholesome goodness of Christmas. And so in our house, that's what it was. It was like Halloween, and we're like, it's Christmas time. Like, you know, it's Christmas time, which is very not our house, but it's what happened. So anyway, it's Christmas. We're looking at the Christmas story. Um, and tonight we're going to be looking at the Magnificent, which is um, a, really, it's like a, a, a testimony pronouncement of Mary about her God, about our God. And um, it really looks uh, at who he is and what he's done in her life. And it's, it's actually a snapshot of a very specific moment in her life and what she thinks of when she thinks of God and reflects upon him in relation to her and, and her people. And it's such a beautiful thing. And as we do so, as we look at this, we're going to be thinking about and pondering the idea of preparing him room, of making room for God's purposes in your life and how Mary herself did that. So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be at verses 45, 46 through 55, Luke 1, 46 through 55. It's also going to be on the screen if you need it there. So it goes like this. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So, that's the, the, the meat of what we're going to be going through tonight. But before we go any further, I think it's important to sort of set up some context for what we just read and what we're going to be talking about. And Mary's sharing this beautiful testimony, and, and, and truly, it's an overflow of her heart. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like I said earlier, it comes from a specific moment, a specific place in her life. And, and as she reflects upon God and, and herself, 
within his story. And so those circumstances are important. It's important for us uh, to understand them and to think about them if we're going to grasp the depths of what this truly means and what it means to her and what it could mean to us. And I, I just want to say, I think for many of the Christmas story elements, all the little pieces that we hear of it throughout this season, it's so important to take the time to kind of zoom out and remember it within the context of the whole thing. Because it's in the context of the whole thing that it truly has its power. And that we can see how, how radical and meaningful it is. And so to set it up, right, we got Mary. She's a young woman. She's been betrothed or like engaged sort of to a, a man named Joseph. They're not yet married. And she's a faithful woman. She loves God. She serves him. She's in the, the line, the lineage of King David, which is the lineage from which the Messiah is promised to come. And one night, Mary gets this crazy visit from an angel. And that's never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to some of you. Never happened to me. Pretty radical thing. And the angel shows up and is like, greetings. You who is highly favored, the Lord is with you. What a cool thing. That'd be wild, right? And the angel goes on from there and he, he tells Mary that she will conceive and bear a son who will be the son of God most high. That he'll be the king on David's throne forever. And all the language makes it really clear. Like, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Which, for Mary, would blow her mind, right? The Messiah is, is like the, the pinnacle of the narrative arc of the Old Testament, of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. The, the Messiah is the, the pinnacle of the narrative arc of all of human history. All of it, including ours right now. Jesus coming is the pinnacle of it all. The Messiah is the center of that. And Mary, being very aware, hears these amazing things the angels said to her and has a question. So how's this going to happen? <laughs> Which is such a valid question. She just wants to clarify. She's betrothed to Joseph. They're not married. She's a virgin. She knows how babies are made. She's like, what's this? How's this work? And the paraphrase, this is my paraphrase of like how the angel responded. He just kind of said, the Holy Spirit will take care of it. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. The Holy Spirit will take care of it. It's, it's not going to be Joseph's son. It's going to be God's. And it may, it may be hard to believe, but God can do what he wants. Nothing is impossible for him. And Mary in that moment just has to like receive that. And the angel continues. He tells her another thing. He says, even your cousin Elizabeth, who's super old, is pregnant. And it's all a part of God's plan. And Mary, after this encouragement, I guess, clarity in some way, Mary responds with this like ultimate faith and surrender. And the scripture says, she said this, the Lord is my servant, or I am the Lord's servant. Wow, I read that one wrong. <laughs> okay, so I know the cool thing is that God does service, right? That's great. Okay. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The cost of this endeavor, of this agreement that she's made, is going to be huge. Like last week, Brian Howard spoke on uh, the gaps in life we face. 
that there are, there, there's just gaps. We just face them. And in this moment, there are some gaps for her to confront, some big ones, right? And the more time she spends with this, the, the more gaps she's going to recognize, the more gaps she's going to see. But the reward of the invitation that she has in this moment is unfathomable. It's unfathomable. Like, like participation with God, the creator of the universe, the one who loves her, Inclusion in his plans and promises for the blessing of all nations, of, of her specific nation, but then all nations. And that's a worthy sacrifice of anything. So she says, I'm in. I'm in. I don't understand it all, but I'm in. And the angel leaves, and Mary's left just pondering it all, sitting in those gaps. She takes a few days and she connects the dots. It sounds like her cousin Elizabeth might have some experience in some sort of miraculous pregnancy kind of stuff. And so she's like, all right, let's go see what Elizabeth knows. She takes this journey by foot. It's like 80 miles to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. And when she arrives at Elizabeth and Zachariah's home, who Brian again spoke about last week, the, the scriptures say this in Luke 1, 41 through 45. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby, the baby in Elizabeth's tummy, leaped in her womb. Oh, that's a clarified, great. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. How cool that John the Baptist, so in her womb is John the Baptist, right? How cool that John the Baptist was like heralding and proclaiming Jesus, like even in the womb. That's so cool. And I love that God, like in all of the ways he often does, like can use like this surprising thing such a delightful way to communicate something, like a baby just like, you know, cutting a rug in a mama's belly is like, that's a sign. That's saying something. Get up now because the Lord is coming. What a cool thing. So Elizabeth, the line that I really want to focus on here is that, that Elizabeth declares, the baby in my womb leapt at the sound of your voice. Blessed are you among women and your child, my Lord, whom you will bear. So think back again, right? Mary had this encounter with the angel. The angel tells her this incredible thing, and there's some significant gaps that she's going to encounter and think about. She takes this long journey, right, by foot. And I, I got to imagine that that was an interesting journey emotionally, right? All that time traveling, she's just got this time to ponder and wonder. The, the anticipation, the excitement, the worry, the anxiety, all of it. She's like on this carousel that just goes around of like curiosity and confusion and what could it all be? What could it all mean? What's going to happen to me? How is this going to play out? And she arrives at her destination and is greeted with this blessing and affirmation of what God has bestowed upon her. The sentiment of those first words, right? Blessed are you among women, your child, my Lord, whom you will bear. Is God not kind? He gives her just what she needs in that moment. He stirred Elizabeth to those words. And it's what Mary needed. I got to think it was such a relief. Such a relief, such a comfort for Mary. Yeah, I'm 
Have you ever been in that waiting place like Mary was? Of anticipation and worry and excitement and maybe even like love and, and you're just like, oh, it's good, but uh, maybe, I don't know. And you're like in this place and it's just piling all up. And that emotion as, as she walked to get to her cousin's house, it's just piling up. And I think for me, I like think specifically back to uh, preparing to ask my wife, to propose to my wife, to see if she would accept that. <laughs> and it had like this anticipation, it had this worry, it had this excitement, this like love, it was all these things. And, and when, we, when I got to that moment and when she said yes, it was like a release. Like all, all that emotion, that crazy cocktail of different things, it just like broke through and there, and there were tears. I'm not like a messy crier, but there were tears. And, and there was like gratitude, just deep gratitude. Now, like she said, yes, and I knew, and she knew in that moment, like, we got, this is just the beginning, right? Like, like this is just the start, and there's so much more to come, and all the anxiety and all the, like, wrestling that I had before even asking oh, kind of was more about all those things that came after. Like, they, they hadn't even come yet, but she said yes, and it was just in this moment, it was like a popping of a balloon that those emotions could just sort of have that, like, oh, and it was just gratitude. And I could just be present in that moment, right there. And it was such a relief. It was such a release. And I imagine that's what it was like in this moment for Mary. Elizabeth's joy and excitement and her prophetic affirmation. Mary's had all this stuff and she's just, I got it. I got, like my imagination is that she just has this big smile and like maybe there's some big tears rolling down and she just gives her cousin a hug. And it's out of this, this moment that we get the overflow of all those thoughts, all those feelings. And, and Mary puts into words her perspective on God in this moment. And it just spills out of her as she responds to her cousin Elizabeth, as she responds to what her cousin has just said. In the first few verses here, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary counts herself as blessed. She's filled with joy and relief that God has been mindful of her. God has been mindful of her. She rejoices in participating God's promises and in his kindness to, to affirm and comfort her through her cousin Elizabeth. And there are gaps, right? There's obstacles, hurdles, complications. It's just the beginning. It's, she sees some of them. They're already being brought in. She's already traveled all this way to go to her cousin, but, but it's just the beginning. But she makes room for God's purposes. She makes room for them because she knows deep down that it's worth it. That it's worth it. It didn't mean she was rock solid the whole way. I don't know. Like, I got to imagine there was wrestling. And in a moment like this with her cousin, it could have probably was just a, a grace of God to carry her through to that next moment. To remind her, it's worth it. I'll be with you. It's worth it. She is blessed to participate in God's plans. And in the midst of the swirling emotions and thoughts, she knows that it is true. 
that she is blessed and that God is mindful of her. And here you are today, right? Here I am. And God is mindful of you. He's mindful of you tonight. He extends his invitation to enter into his blessing, to put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, and what that means for your life. And if you've not taken that step of faith, or maybe you have, but you haven't continued in it, I I just want to invite you to extend the invitation, to accept the invitation of God that you can enter into his blessing because he's mindful of you. Right now, he's mindful of you. Make room in your life for him. Ponder Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and what that means for your life. Like, like, I think of like, um, I think this is a movie thing maybe, where it's like, think of like a desk and got all this stuff and you're just like, I've had it. And you like clear it all off. It's like so dramatic, right? But like maybe, I hope you come to that place where you're willing to do that. We're willing to take that like arm sweep across the whole desk and just clear it off and say, Jesus, it's, this is yours. Whatever you want to put here, it's yours. I, I, I accept it. I, I'm, on for, I'm in for it. I, I, I believe that you have my best in mind, that you love me, that you bless me. And I thank you that you're mindful of me and have brought me to this place. I, I trust you, Lord. And maybe you've never set foot in a church. Maybe tonight's your first night. Maybe you're online and you're like, this stuff, okay. Jesus, yes, Jesus, he's awesome. Like, the invitation is ask the questions. He's worth it. Ask the question. If you have a question, if you're confused, if you don't know what we're talking about, or you just are wrestling, well, I don't know what it is, but please come ask questions. Whether it's finding me after service, I'll be right over there by that door. Or Sarah, she'll be just outside that door, handing out keys. Anybody hear about keys? Keys are awesome. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then great. Sarah will explain it later. (laughs) Um, But ask the questions. You know, go over to the prayer wall and ask somebody over there. Maybe the person you're sitting next to, ask them. Maybe it's just grabbing a Bible as you walk out and actually reading the thing. Opening to the the book of John is a good place to start and just start reading. Like, who is Jesus? What, What do we see of him? Who is this guy? Ask the questions. Don't give up on them. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and you need help or, or you want some help along that journey. Or maybe you're online and you're like, I'm not there present to ask some questions. Well, I just want to invite you. There's going to be a number up on the screen here. And you can text Jesus to this number and, and we'll follow up with you. Someone will follow up with you and we'll connect with you. And if it's asking questions, if it's additional resources, if it's just a place to start about where do I start in reading the Bible, if there's addiction issues you're struggling with and you're like, I don't feel worthy to come to God, yeah, me too. You know, like I'm not worthy either, but you can come and, and I'd love to talk with you. We'd love to talk with you and just answer questions. Please be willing to ask them. The creator of the universe has a name and he wants you to know him. He wants to sit face to face with you. The reward of faith in Jesus is worth the risk. The war- reward of faith of Jesus is worth the risk. Make room for God's purposes because they're worth it. They're worth it.
God is good. He's the provider. He's the protector. He's the promise keeper. You have life and breath here today because he gave it to you. Like sunsets and rainy days, romance, the warm-hearted beauty of the holidays and why something about Christmas is just so special. God put all these things in us that we might delight in them. Anything that's noble or praiseworthy or beautiful or admirable, these all come from God. They're all gifts. And Mary's view of God as loving and capable supersedes her fear of what making room for his purposes could alter about her life. Change is good when God's involved every time. No matter how uncomfortable that may be, it's good. Be bold enough to step into that. Like faith in Jesus is always worth it. It's always worth the cost of faith in Jesus. Let's look at it again, right? Verse 48, bring that up. The section we just read, this is the bottom part of it. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary, out of humility, acknowledges that this blessing that she has received is not because she is great, but because God is. Holy is his name, not her name. He's chosen her. He's chosen her. Lowly though she may be, he has chosen her. And what greater blessing is there than that? A blessing that we ourselves enjoy. He has chosen you. He's chosen me, wild as it may be. And he's chosen you. The reality here, of course, is that God has also chosen you, right? And you have the invitation. I have the invitation. And we get to participate and enjoy the love of the Father. We have the invitation to the great eternal banquet hall where the Father sits and Jesus holds the door to welcome you in. Think of the best family dinner ever. And if you've never experienced one, sorry. <laughs> Imagine one. What could it be like? And that giant banquet table, right? And it's just like candles and beautiful. And it's just like, welcome. I've been waiting for you. Well, there's a seat for you. And it's a nameplate and everything. <laughs> you know, it's not just like, well, you got a spot. It's like, no, this is your spot. I've saved this spot for you. What a, what a wonderful thing. You, we, we get the, the blessing of the invitation of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the, and the manifestation of God's kingdom in this world through us. That the mighty one has done great things for you. He has. He's done great things for you. And he's not done. Are you willing, like Mary, to say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Whatever that word may be, whatever that word may cost, are you willing to say that like Mary did? Many, many, a dormant Christian, so full of like eternal potency, is content to live a, as comfortable a life as they can. And to what end? To what end? Like your own meaningless self-indulgence? Like how many generations is that going to bless? Not many. <laughs> Probably none, right? 
meaningless self-indulgence. God wants more than that for you. He wants more than that for the people who come after us. It's worth giving up your comfort, and it's not just for you. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, and I make room for you, Lord. All the room you need or desire in my life, it's yours. It's yours. And we too can pray that prayer and know the, the adventure, the, the purpose, and even the exposure, <laughs> the impact that flows from that prayer. Continues in verse 50. She continues reflecting on the Lord. She says this, His, that's God's mercy, extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. Like God intends mercy for those who acknowledge who he is. Mercy. For those who acknowledge who he is. And that is, that is the essence of what it is to fear the Lord. Maybe you've heard that term, the fear of God. Maybe you've heard it sort of as like a threat, you know, like my mama put the fear of God in me. Like, but the Bible talks a lot about the fear of God. And it's actually not the fear of punishment. It's just the acknowledgement, whoa, you're God. Like, it's just the acknowledgement that you are in charge. You did all this? Whoa, like, you get to decide. You're the one who has ultimate authority. You are perfect, and I'm imperfect. Like, it's just acknowledgement of who he is to fear the Lord. And to those who do so, who acknowledge who he is, he intends mercy for you. He intends mercy for you. To fear God requires humility. You, it requires humility, and humility and the fear of God are this like inseparable thing. So making room for God's purposes is consistent with fearing God and humility. If you're going to make room for them, you need to make room for fearing God and humility. Like to, to recognize and accept that God's thoughts on morality are better than mine. That his decisions are the pinnacle of perfect judgment not mine. That his sovereignty is just and he gets to decide the outlook of my days, how long they may be, the family I was born into and like all those other myriad of factors that we just try so hard to control and manipulate and adjust, those things that we helplessly try to control that are entirely outside of us to recognize our weakness in those things, that we actually don't have control over them, leads to fearing God. And to fear God, to acknowledge who he is, to think about who he is, and to, and to like ponder it, and to like recognize, whoa, you're, you are in charge. It's humbling. These two perspectives, humility and fear of God, they exist in concert with one another. And they are ground zero for a life that is prepared to make room for God's purposes. She continues. We'll pick it up. Verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So God's bringing justice. Like the hungry have need and the rich live in abundance. And God has given to those in need. He's had compassion. Like Mary in the moment, herself a lowly, humble woman, She's not rich. We know that. It's pretty clear as the story goes on and as we get details, it's clear she's not rich. 
And God has had an eye on her. He has taken care of her. He's had compassion. And it's sort of her just recognition, like, God, whoa, you don't play favorites? Like the prettiest people, the, the richest people, the most influential, the most impressive people, like, that's not what you care about? Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What a, what a wonderful thing. That God is not a human that he's swayed by such things. He cares for the least, the last, and the lost. He doesn't play favorites. Verse 54 continues, He, God, has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Like the Lord's mercy was Israel's, or the Jewish people's. It was their only hope. It was the only hope they had the whole time. And Jesus is just like the pinnacle example that that is the only hope they had. It's the only hope any of us have, is God's mercy. And Mary, having had this lineage, this life steeped in the, in the stories and reality of her people, and all that God had said, all that God has done, all their failings, all his forgiveness, all his mercy heaped and heaped. And all through that is this thread of a Messiah will come and he's going to take care of you. He will take care of you ultimately, permanently. And now here she is and she's the one bearing the Messiah. She's in the midst of this. She has seen her miraculous pregnancy happen and the beginning of the fulfillment of God's ultimate promise of mercy. God's ultimate mercy is coming true in her womb, conveyed through the incarnation of Jesus there, right? And eventually his death, burial, and resurrection of her son. In her womb is the fulfillment of God's faithful mercy, the fulfillment of God's prophecies and promises to Israel and to the whole world. And it's the evidence that God has remembered his promise to be merciful to his people, Israel. She is standing there and all her people, for as, as long as they've been a people, have been looking forward to the one who has been given and it's coming through her. She's alone in this. Like, and it's, isn't it crazy that God, he, he didn't like send, he sent John to go ahead of this, right? And if you know anything about John the Baptist, he's like a weird guy, like, like, if you've ever watched the show The Chosen, which if you haven't, I, I suggest checking it out. I think it's worth it. But, like, they in that kind of interpret that, like, most of the, there's a few disciples who kind of call him Crazy John. It's like, oh, Crazy John. And that's what probably a lot of people thought of him. It wasn't like some influential guy who went and stood and had this, like, could be like, all hail, here comes the Savior. It was, it was God does things so quietly, so surprisingly, so oddly. <laughs> And it's amazing. It's amazing what he's doing, and he does it so quietly. What is he doing in your life? And, and, and it's being heralded in some way, but you're just not quiet enough to hear it or to see it or to recognize it. Here she is, and God is being faithful to his entire people, and she and her cousin Elizabeth are like the only people who know about it. What a... She is in this unique position to be like, God is faithful. And people just don't know yet, but man, he has come through. 
He said he would, and he has. That God is faithful like no other. Like no other. And when any of us cede ground to him, give up ground in our life to him, making room for what he has in mind, there is no grain of sand that will be misplaced. Nothing will go unaccounted for. Everything will be taken care of. Like, it's worth it. He will be faithful to his promises. He will deliver you into ultimate glory, bringing salvation in its fullness to you and delivering through you the greatest measure of his glory that you were made to carry. He will give it, and he will convey it through you. Thank you, Austin. (laughs) No matter how slow it may seem to be in coming, no matter how slow it may may seem to be in coming, God is faithful to his promises. Like if he said it, we can believe it. He may deliver it in an unexpected way, but don't tire of expectantly waiting for him to deliver it. If he promised it, he's going to come through. He's faithful like no other. And there might be things, it might even be on your deathbed he delivers, but he will. He will deliver. I I really like um, this guy, Oswald Chambers. I like the way he writes and the things he thinks about. He's long gone, but I still like what he's written. And um, he wrote something reflecting on Galatians 1.15. And he talks about the, the surprising way that God proves his faithfulness when a person makes room for him. And so I just want to read it for you. It'll be on the screen. You can read along. He writes this. As servants of God, we must learn to make room for him, to give God elbow room. We plan and figure and predict that this or that will happen, but we forget to make room for God to come in as he chooses. Would we be surprised if God came into our meeting, into our preaching, in a way he, we had never expected him to come? Do not look for God to come in a particular way, but do look for him. The way to make room for him is to expect him to come, but not in a certain way. No matter how well we may know God, the great lesson to learn is that he may break in at any minute. We tend to overlook this element of surprise, yet God never works in any other way. Suddenly, God meets our life when it pleased him to do so. Keep your life so constantly in touch with God that his surprising power can bake through at any point. Live in a constant state of expectancy and leave room for God to come in as he decides. You know, I have a three-year-old son. He's great. I like him a lot. And often he'll ask for my help. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't ask for my help. But he needs it. (laughs) He needs my help. He needs my direction. He needs my instruction. He needs something. You know? Like there's times where like uh, he's climbing a tree and I see him falling and I'm like, boom, I got him. And I'm like, dad of the year. Yes. You know, it's happened once or twice. I've also not been there. And, you know, oh, not down of the year. But there's times where I jump in when he, when he didn't expect it, when he, he didn't think it was coming. There's other times it's like he's putting on a jacket, you know, and he's just like struggling with it because he's got one arm inside out, you know? And he's just like, and I see it. He hasn't asked for help, but I see it. I know what's going on, right? Like if you work with kids, you're like, oh, yes, I've seen this. 
And you're like, okay. And I, I like come in and I'm ready to help him. I'm ready to, to help him like work this problem out and to figure it out. And sometimes he receives it. Sometimes he doesn't. And there's a myriad of other examples. Sometimes he's so focused on accomplishing what he wants to do in exactly the way he wants to do it that he will not accept my help. He won't make room for it, or at least he won't make room for it in the way I'm trying to give it. Even if me, as his dad, knows clearly you can keep struggling to put that jacket on with that arm inside out, but you're not going to succeed. <laughs> like, like, I know how to help. Man, kids are so funny. They're so funny. But really, kids are just us, but without, like, the filters, you know? And we just have a little more experience, like a little bit. What my old pal Oswald Chambers is talking about here is very similar to that. To make room for God's purposes is an openness to God's interruptions, his directions, but also an openness to that those interruptions and directions may look different than you expected. They likely will be a surprise to you in some form or fashion. Like when I tell my son, the way forward is taking the jacket off, that does not compute. But it's what he needs. We have to be willing to accept that what God is directing is the right way. And to make room that even if it, if it is wild that it, we're willing to do it, that we can say like Mary, I'm here, I'm in, let's do it. As we wrap up here, I want to invite the band to come back up. And um, let's fast forward a little bit in this. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And uh, where we pick it up here, Mary um, has given birth to Jesus. She's in the stable, right, or whatever. We call it a stable, but... Uh, anybody been to Israel before? Anyone? Yeah, what? If you've been to Israel, right, you, like, we, you get to learn the story. We go to Bethlehem. We've seen Bethlehem, and it's like, oh, like, it wasn't like a wood stable. Like, that doesn't, it's actually like a cave was more likely kind of what was going on, which is very interesting. Anyway, that's a total side note. So Mary's given birth to Jesus. And, like, angels showed up to some shepherds who were out in the field and, and told them, like, Luke 2.16, we read this. So they, that's the shepherds, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to point out verse 19. If we can go back to that. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all the things, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Like these shepherds, had come, they've given this testimony. An angel came, he told us, find you here. He said, it's the Savior. She stored that up, she treasured it. The experience of having given birth, she treasured it. The angel confirming with Joseph later on, confirms with him like, 
Keep your betrothal to this lady. This child is of God. What a dramatic, thankful thing that was for her. That was probably, that was surely a huge gap that she had as she left for Elizabeth's house. So what are Joseph going to say? But God took care of that. Elizabeth's house. So what are Joseph going to say? But God took care of that. She also has the memory of Elizabeth's prophetic greeting and her own, her very own encounter with an angelic messenger that started this whole thing for her. And she treasured these things. She treasured them. Making room for God's purposes includes making room for testimony, for remembrance and reflection. To store it up in your heart. To store up in your heart and to ponder it and to treasure it. What have you done in my life, Lord? Where have you been? Where have you seen me through? Like the stories and testimonies of what God has done with you. When and where he has shown up in your life. Those, those moments when you felt all was right with the world because you were in his presence. Those moments, imagine them, picture them, write them down, treasure them. Those promises he's extended to you. Mary made room for them in her heart and her mind. She pondered them, holding tightly to them from that day forward, returning to them, maybe even imaginatively, to bring herself back into those moments and to restore within herself the faith and hope God passed on to her through those moments. Making room for God includes making room for testimony, for remembrance, and for reflection. To make time in this present day, in your present day, to ponder what God has done to store it up in your heart where, where it may be frequently accessed and pulled out. That you may remember God is with me. He is mindful of me. I am blessed. God has done these things in your life. And he's not done yet. You're here tonight. I'm here tonight. And that's due to some past encounter, some past invitation. Maybe it was an hour ago. <laughs> Maybe it's 25 years ago. But God has been a part of what brings you to this place here and now. And he longs to be a part of what comes ahead. Like the two are connected. And they're connected in this present moment and the next. The reward of faith in Jesus is worth the risk of faith in Jesus. He is worth it. Make room for him in all these ways. Make room for him. Amen? I want to invite you to stand up here. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to sing a song. And this song is, I, I love this song. Uh, the premise of it is, is the idea that all of heaven is cheering us on to be the people that God has made us to be. That God is here for us, that he is mindful of us. And, and I want you to look around. I want you to take a moment. This is going to be weird. This is like what we do in weddings, right? You have the bride and groom turn and face everybody. So I want you to actually, like if you're in the front, turn around. Look at the people behind you. Like take a few moments and just literally look around and look at the faces you see. And I want to encourage you to smile at one another because that's way more comfortable than if you're like grumpy, right? God has given you one another. He may reveal himself. He may shine his face upon you through some of these people. He intends to. He longs to. 
like Mary coming to Elizabeth in that moment. Sure, God in his Holy Spirit could have just come down upon her. He could have sent another angel, but what did he do? He chose a person. And it was miraculous. It was powerful. It was a moment that she stored in her heart and treasured and pondered. And it helped her. It encouraged her. It changed her life. These people God intends to do the same thing with. You're not alone. And he doesn't intend for you to be alone in this. He intends to use us to, that we may one another encourage each other, care for each other, look to each other and say, God sees you. He is mindful of you. You are blessed. And that blessing comes through each one of us to everyone else in here and all those out there. This song is about calling all of us to be that people that loves one another in such a way that the world can see it and say, whoa, that's different. What is going on there? And the easy solution, the easy, or the easy answer is just to say, Jesus, he's with us and among us. He has made us a people. He has given me a heart to see that person I've never met with the same eyes he sees them with. As somebody who needs something, as someone who's loved, who's worth risking it for, going out of my way for them, so as we sing this song, I want to encourage you, it's not just heaven and all the people who've gone before us, all the generations who've gone before us who are cheering us on and saying, come on, be who you are. Be the church because it's worth it. But we are actually using this song to proclaim to one another, be who you are. As we sing this, we are being Elizabeth to Mary, to the other people in this room. So sing it powerfully, sing it profoundly. It may be odd, but if you're willing, even just turn around and look at people. <laughs> be like, come on, be who you are. Because you are a child of God, created for eternity. Be who you are. Let's sing.